All right, guys, welcome to this very special episode of Some Like It's Scott, part of the Media Plug Podcast Network. Not one of our typical episodes, but, you know, we all have the free all the free time in the world as we watch all 90 of, you know, the award season movies that have been coming out over over the last month. And we thought we'd hop on here, do do a special live episode, talk about the Golden Globe nominations. We will spend most of the time, you know, the next 30, 45 minutes talking about the movies uh, and the movie categories, but we will touch briefly on the TV shows because, in spite of the fact that Scott and I only talk about pretty much pretty much exclusively talk about movies on the podcast, we do watch our fair share of TV shows as well. And there are you know so arguably even some bigger snubs uh, in the TV categories to briefly touch upon than the movie ones. But to get us started, uh, as always, I'm here with my co-host Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Scott. Um, excited to talk about these. Now. Maybe excited isn't quite the right word peeved maybe would be a, a more appropriate word but you know that's just a word season and it's good to see that some things are consistent that um, a word season is always going to let you down um, and that's starting here with the golden globes and i'm sure that will continue with the oscars but there are there are highlights too and we'll talk about those i was gonna say maybe the maybe the operative question to go into our discussion then is not whether or not award season and particularly the golden globes here because that's our topic of conversation right now has let you down but has it let you down less than usual scott why don't we kind of just start with you know the quote-unquote uh big winners of the nominations and that is of course uh in the, just thinking in terms of sheer number of nominations marriage story six nominations kind of leading the way there our review of marriage story if you're watching this live isn't been out yet it'll be out tomorrow morning but scott is this are you are, are you surprised at all that marriage story is leading the way no, I don't think so. This is one of the big hitters of the awards season. Um, I think, I, and I talked about this on our Marriage Story episode, which you can hear tomorrow, but um, this is one of the three movies. There may be four movies, but definitely three that I feel is a lot for a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. This movie, The Irishman, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are the three movies that I think will absolutely be in there. And so it's not a surprise to see them nominated here. Whether it is a front runner to win this, this award is a different question, I think. Um, but I'm not surprised to see it in there. And, you know, it's it's a great movie. So I'm I'm glad to see it in there as well. Uh, you know, spoiling my review a little bit for tomorrow, I guess. But it's a great movie. Um, and I'm glad to see it in there because, you know, last year when we talked about like the big winners from these nominations. We were talking about movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice. Uh, and great is the absolute antithesis to those movies. Um, so it's nice that at least up top uh, with the big winners, quote unquote, as you called them, we have some legitimately very good films. Yeah, and you mentioned the Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as what you view as the other two, you know, definite locks for a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars, and those are the two movies that got five nominations. So you know, kind of in in close uh, in close contention there with Marriage Story with six, and and just to run out some of the other uh, nominations list, you know, with four nominations each, you have Joker, which might be you know our, our spoiler, uh, our you know a la Vice and, and Bohemian Rhapsody. Although I think it's closer to Vice than Bohemian Rhapsody, I just felt very I felt very meh about Bohemian Rhapsody, and obviously did not actively did not like Vice, just how I felt about Joker. Uh, and then you know coming in with three nominations uh, are 1917, Knives Out, Parasite, and Rocket Man, a la Bohemian Rhapsody. There with uh, Taron Egerton, I believe, getting a nomination. Uh, and I believe this also got one for best motion picture, musical or, or comedy, uh, as well as I think maybe a best song uh, nomination. Yeah, I did. I'm yeah. gonna love me. Yeah, yeah love the, me again. New song that they wrote for the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the three nominations for Rocket Man. And then there's a much longer list of ones with two nominations. But I think worth saying here, and just to zoom out for a second, then we can talk about individual categories, Scott, that you want to talk about. But the big winner here in the nominations, yes, we've gone through individual movies, but clearly Netflix. I mean, Netflix here with Marriage Story and The Irishman and to The Two Popes all getting four or more nominations, I think. And Dolomite is my name as well, getting several nominations. Well, no, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. And then kind of in, you know, lagging behind a little bit with two nominations relative to, you know, The Two Popes with four, The Irishman with five, and Marriage Story with six is Dolomite. And so I think the grand total of their, 
you know, film nominations is close to 20. And they led the way in terms of studios with nominations. And, you know, we talked about last year with Roma, though, you know, they may have thought that the Ballad of Buster Scruggs might have pushed their awards contention a little bit forward. It didn't really do that last year. But this year, I mean, they have four movies that are competing for Oscars. I, I don't think Dolomite will win any Oscars, but, you know, the two popes, maybe I'm a little bit surprised they got so many nominations here. I haven't seen the film yet. It's not out on Netflix. I might go see it tomorrow because it is showing one of the indie theaters here in Boston. I, I think it is out on Netflix now. I will. Okay. Double check me on that. I don't think it is out yet. I think okay. it maybe is out at the end of this week, but anyway, I haven't seen that one yet, but then of course, Marriage Story and Irishman as good, if not better Oscar chances than Roma last year. And, and Scott, how do you view this for Netflix? I mean, it's, you know, you're pointing out that there was a huge expansion this year in the number of, of awards contenders, which Netflix put out. They went from having really only one legitimate uh, contender last year with uh, Roma, as you noted, to having four movies this year, which could see Oscar nominations. And you just wonder if that trend will continue to a point where Netflix is, you know, absolutely dominating maybe um, a couple of years down the line. But either way, I think they have to be pleased. And, you know, this is obviously one of the reasons why Netflix is going to be able to survive in the, you know, in the Disney post Disney plus era um, with Disney plus, you know, now, now, uh, fully operational and online. Um, and obviously they're going to be getting a ton of new content with the big licensed uh, properties that they have over there at Disney plus, but Netflix is still going to be, you know, paramount when it comes to the original content that they're producing. Um, and I think that's just what this illustrates. Uh, if you're someone who likes movies, Netflix is going to be the streaming service for you going forward. Um, and you, they have to be pleased with uh, the haul that they're getting here, especially because, yeah, I think Marriage Story and The Irishman have a very good chance, either of them, to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, we talk, we're talking primarily about the movies right now, but the fact that Netflix led the way with nominations. Again, this is the Globes. It's, it's, we'll see how that translates to the Oscars in terms of nominations, whether they do lead the pack in terms of nominations for Oscars. You know, at the Emmys for the past few years, they've been going head-to-head -head with HBO for most nominations. They didn't win it this year. They won it last year. But they do have the most nominations here at the, at, at the Globes. Uh, there are some notable snubs in the TV category, obviously, from HBO in, in particular um, that we can talk about a little later, although Netflix got a, a snub of their own. Anyway, I, yeah, for me, this is a huge step forward for Netflix. Well, it, it, I think there's always the big question mark, and we thought this last year with Roma clearly delivered on it, is will they be able to continue this level of quality of filmmaking next year? Like, will they have two, three, four movies next year that are legitimate Oscar contenders that are not just movies they're putting out, like, you know, posting and praying, so to speak, uh, on Oscar nominations? Because well, obviously, oh, good. I was going to say, well, they have the David Fincher movie, right? Which I think well, is gonna definitely going to be one. Yeah. I mean, Mank, which is the Fincher movie that you're talking about being shot in black and white, definitely, you know, go going to be something that's going to be pushed for awards consideration. I mean, Fincher has a great track record in the awards conversations of at least of being recognized. And so, yeah, I think the question is here is the coming out party. Maybe Ro Roma was the warning shot last year, maybe here, you know, at the Globes at least. And I, I imagine this will translate somewhat. Dolomite might fall out of the conversation as we go to the Oscars. It may not get any nominations. It depends on if Eddie Murphy can sneak in for best actor. Uh, but, you know, the two popes will probably get a nomination or two for Antonio Banderas or Jonathan Price. Um, I not Antonio Banderas. No, that's not right. Sorry. Anthony Hopkins. Um, Antonio Banderas is pain and glory. Pain and glory. Yeah, yeah. Which is not Netflix. Uh, but yeah, no. So, you know, the two popes likely probably to sneak in with a nomination or two. And then marriage story and Irishman are expected to have a big haul at the Oscars as well. And, you know, like, like I said, they're, they're leading the pack over other contenders. I mean, mainly being driven by uh, Sony, I believe, was in second place with nominations by, and, you know, by a distance, too, because they only got eight nominations. And most of those were for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Scott. Why don't, I know you mentioned this as a lock for an Oscar, uh, an Oscar Best Picture nomination right now. But why don't we talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's chances here? I mean, it's nominated. You, you know, this is the head scratcher. You said this in your tweet earlier today. This is the head scratcher of the musical or comedy category uh, this year. Maybe less so from a, a best picture standpoint, but definitely doing itself uh, and its actors probably a couple favors uh, by putting them in the musical or comedy section here. Because you're going to have Leonardo DiCaprio not going up against, you know, an Adam Driver or a Joaquin Phoenix or an Antonio Banderas uh, in the best uh, best actor motion picture drama category. Instead, he's going to be going up against Roman Griffin Davis from Jojo Rabbit, Taron Egerton from Rocketman, Eddie Murphy from Dolomite and Daniel Craig from Knives Out. And, you know, he's probably not the favorite if he does get nominated for the Oscar, but he probably is the favorite and best, you know, best actor um, 
motion picture musical comedy. That's not to say he will win it, but he probably is the favorite. And then Brad Pitt having a little bit easier uh, run in the supporting actor category as well. Uh, when it, talking about the, um, oh, I guess, sorry, no, the Golden Globes, is, it's all one category. It's all, yeah. they don't separate out for that. But Scott, what about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood here? Do you, do you think they have a good, uh, that Quentin Tarantino and Sony have a good chance of getting a lot of awards here at the Globes? Yeah, no, I, I do. I think that um, this is obviously Quentin Tarantino is someone who he has two Oscars. He frequently gets nominated at these awards shows. Um, but this is arguably the movie of his that is going to appeal to the people who vote on these awards, maybe the most, uh, because it's, you know, it, it has an older slant to it. It's about characters aging. It's a lot. I mean, Obviously, there are some very violent moments in it. There are a couple of very violent moments in it. But on the whole, it's a softer and more optimistic movie. It ends on a nice, happy note um, that, uh, you know, you can't say about a lot of other Tarantino movies. And I think that uh, voters are really going to respond to that. So I think it has I think it will win for best musical or comedy um, at the Golden Globes. I, I do think that. And I think it has a good shot for best picture as well. As for the actors, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, is going to be competing mainly with Eddie Murphy here at the Golden Globes for who's going to take home that best actor, musical, or comedy. But I'll be rooting for him. I, I think he's fantastic in the movie, um, and I think he has a great shot here. Even though, as you said, I don't think he has a great shot at the Oscars. I do think Brad Pitt has a very good shot at the Oscars. Best Supporting Actor is a little bit up in the air, um, but Brad Pitt is one of the one or two front runners up there with the guys from The Irishman and Tom Hanks from A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that I think are going to be front runners at the Oscars. Um, and I could definitely see Brad Pitt taking home both the Golden Globe and the Oscar. I could also see him not taking home either of them. Um, but either way, it's a great performance. And I'm happy to see this movie getting so much love because not everyone loved it when it came out. But I think it's one of Tarantino's best. Yeah, you know, you talked about the kind of the three big awards it's up for, but it is up for five, and that's because Tarantino's also got Best Director, uh, the Best Director nomination, as well as um, the screenplay nomination as well uh, for for himself. So the, there's a lot of a lot of uh, I guess we have the potential to be hearing uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a lot on January 5th when the Globes do happen, and I think even before then. Well, see, I guess they do the Oscar noms come out before then. I can't actually remember whether or not they come out this year before then. Usually they do, but the Oscars this year is much earlier than it is normally being the second weekend in February. But, you know, in, until then, I think that that's probably a good enough there. I think I want to switch gears briefly here and, and talk about something that I think will continue to be a conversation about this particular movie throughout award season and, and where it shakes out. Ultimately, and that's Parasite. It has three nominations uh, here at the Golden Globes. Uh, one is uh, it did not get nominated in Best Picture, but it did get nominated in uh, Best Best Director for Bong Joon Ho, uh, Best Screenplay as well for Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Woon, uh, Han Jin Won, and then I can't actually find the other nomination that it has. Um, and maybe it did get Best Picture. Am I missing that? No, it didn't. Uh, so I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm going to quickly scroll through the list here what its third nomination is, Scott. But wh what do you think of Parasite's chances? Maybe a Best Original Score or something. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, this is an interesting one, right? Because like you want to say like this is kind of the token foreign nominee, kind of like Roma was last year, right? Um, and in the end, we kind of thought Roma might have a chance at Best Picture at the Oscars, um, but ultimately they went with a conventional pick and went with Green Book instead. So you can definitely see them doing the same thing um, with the you know with Parasite this year and even though this might be the most universally beloved movie of any movie in the, in the hunt, like everyone that uh, has seen this movie has raved about it. It has like a 4.6 average rating on letterbox right now, which is just off the chain. Um, but you know, you, you wonder is the fact that is the very fact that it is a foreign film going to turn off some Oscar voters as, as disappointing as that may be. Um, I could see it happening and I could see them going with a safer choice. Like, like The Irishman or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I will say again that I'm very glad that those are the safer choices this year and not something like Green Book because I think those films are, are really great as well. Um, but Parasite is a movie that has really just captivated audiences. Again, the box office numbers were huge for considering it, this was an independent foreign film. Yeah, um, second, second highest grossing independent film of the year behind Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it was it, it crushed. And so that gives me hope that maybe it does have the chance of taking something home. I think maybe where it has the best shot um, is possibly best director, because I think 
Bong Joon-ho in the same way that Alfonso Cuaron last year was pretty much the lock for best director all the way through. Um, Bong Joon-ho is really getting the praise for this movie, overshadowing a lot of the performances and the technical aspects and everything that is also excellent in this movie. I think the main talking point that people are coming out of this movie talking about is the vision that Bong Joon-ho uh, brought to this movie. And obviously he's had a good uh, track record um, he, he's been he's been doing it and he's been successful and beloved for a while, but this movie has really helped him break through. Um, and so it would not surprise me to see him take home that best director prize if Parasite is going to take home anything. And personally, I would love to see it win any and all awards that it is nominated for because it's one of the year's best. Yeah, so I, the, I missed the obvious one. The obvious third nomination that it has is best foreign language film. Uh, so yeah, so it's in there. Obviously, the Golden Globes, I shouldn't say obviously, the Golden Globes... Uh, I know that there's some changes this year for the Oscars category that was once foreign language film is now best international feature or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it. Uh, but now uh, the way that it works with the Golden Globes and that is a little bit different from how it works with the Oscars is that I think the percent of the movie that has to be in a foreign language just shakes out a little bit different. So The Farewell is a foreign language film, mm -hmm. uh, even though it was, of course, you know, produced and distributed in the U.S. Um, so, so it's going up against The Farewell. Les Miserables, which is the French uh, entry in, in the foreign language film category, Pain and Glory, which is Spain's entry. I know. I, Les Mis is not a French it, because Portrait of a Lady on Fire is, is France's. Um, yeah. They're, so, they're, so, they're, so, I, I, so the Portrait of a Lady on Fire is also uh, in the foreign language film category, and they both are French. Uh, oh, at the Oscars, yeah. you can only submit one movie, so it's going to be a little bit different. We'll see which one uh, France has chosen. I mean, we could go look because they've already submitted it. But uh, at the Globes, again, it works a little bit differently. So two French films, a Spanish film, Parasite, and the farewell uh, and i don't know scott if you think that parasite i don't know if you revise what you say it has the best chance of winning like probably foreign language film is the category it has the best chance of winning in here but i think that's some strong competition i haven't seen uh pain and glory i haven't seen portrait of a lady on fire or and i also have not seen uh is it les miserables but i mean the, uh, the farewell, farewell is be stiff competition yeah i was gonna say the farewell is definitely stiff competition because it's another one of those movies that even though as an indie movie did extremely well at the box office this year, got a lot of eyes on it and uh, a lot of hype for its lead actress, Aquafina, Lulu Wang, and maybe that now is a great time to shift to this topic, got left out in the cold on best director, but she and all of her female uh, comrades in directing got left out again uh, from the directing category. Scott, we'll talk about the issue of race uh, diversity as it comes to race here in a second, but let's start with another year has gone by and the golden globes has still not nominated a female in the best director category uh, this year, the notable exceptions here, Greta Gerwig, Lulu Wang, um, Alma Hadel, Heller, Mary Heller, Alma Harrell. For, yeah. Lorene Scafaria, Alma Harrell for honey boy, which I just saw last night. Excellent film. Uh, so, you know, uh, right there, a whole category Melina for best. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, can, I mean, you can yeah. go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Melina Matsukas, you know, I, whether or not I think that she would be the one to get in over all these people. I loved queen and slim. It's in my, it's an option. Yeah, absolutely. So that, like there, we just listed five female directors that they could nominate. That's like, you know, that is the entire best director category right there. And still they haven't managed to nominate one, Scott. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's pretty. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm someone who like, yes, we absolutely need diversity. We need female directors to be getting acknowledged in these categories. But I also like if the if the nominees are fine, then like I don't have as huge of an issue with it. But the problem is you have Todd Phillips nominated. Todd Phillips. Um, and that no way in heck should that be happening. That's that's like Adam McKay getting nominated last year for Vice. Um, I'm not sure Todd Phillips really did very much at all uh, behind the camera with Joker. Um, and he does not deserve to be um, in, in this, uh, in consideration for this award at all. Um, and, you know, a lot of the, you know, directors that we mentioned in the films that we mentioned there um, absolutely are worthy. Uh, and, and I mean, I haven't seen Little Women yet, but I know, I mean, I know I'm going to love this movie. And Greta Gerwig obviously is a brilliant director, as she showed with Lady Bird. I absolutely think she should be in the conversation. I think Marielle Heller, what she did with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is really one of the more surprising things that I've seen this year, because this could have been a typical schmaltzy Oscar biopic, you know, feel good uh, story. But I think that she takes, she looks at the story from a very different angle. Um, and her stamp is all over this movie. She, she, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot stranger and more off the wall movie than I was expecting from 
you know, this this movie about Mr. Rogers um, that is obviously marketed at a wide audience. And so I think she deserves a lot of credit for making something a lot more thoughtful than perhaps I expected from this movie. Lorene Scafaria with Hustlers, that was one of my biggest surprises of this year. I loved Hustlers and I, from the trailers, I thought this movie looked terrible. Um, and it's, you know, easily in my top 15 movies of the year so far. I really loved Hustlers. And so Scafaria deserves consideration as, as well. The other names you've mentioned, absolutely. So for me, like the diversity thing is obviously important, um, but but it it's, it's, makes it even clearer that they are just flat out ignoring female filmmakers when you have Todd Phillips getting nominated over some very worthy female filmmakers. It's not like you have a quality comparison of, okay, maybe they put, I'm trying to think of who's someone who's not nominated. In there. I mean, like this, obviously this would never happen, but if they put like Ari Aster in, in there instead of Todd Phillips, I'd be like, okay, yeah, like there were some great female directors, but maybe I'm more okay with it. But that's not the case. They have Todd Phillips in there. Yeah, and someone that we somehow have left off this, but is, uh, you know, the director of the movie I've seen the most times. In yeah, Olivia Wilde. And that's Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. You know, I was just looking, I was just putting my letterbox list of my, you know, ranked movies of the year. And the fact that, you know, Booksmart, Queen and Slim are my five and six right now. Uh, and you know, those, those are two of the best movies of the year. And I did say, I wouldn't, I would have been surprised if someone like Melina Matsukas got a best director. I would have been surprised if Olivia Wilde got a best director. Nom. But some of these other people that you're mentioning, you know, I didn't like, you know, a beautiful day in the neighborhood as much as you did, but I would have totally understood and been on board with Marielle Heller. Getting a nomination. Yeah, and you understand the comments I'm making though, about yeah. how it is a much more different movie than you might expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's really disappointing to see, you know, that happen again, you know, again this year, uh, it was something that we talked about, I think last year as well, uh, when we talked about the golden globe nominations and hopefully we don't have to talk about it next year, but likely we probably, probably will, which is, it's just how it goes. But now let's switching gears to talk about the, the diversity in terms of race element here, you know, in, in some ways the globes have done an okay job. I mean, they have Antonio Banderas, uh, and, you know, nominated in the best act in the best actor, uh, drama category. They, you know, they've got Eddie Murphy in, you know, in the, in the best actor musical comedy. And then, yeah, Cynthia Arrivo and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, JLo, um, and, Aquafina. uh, Aquafina. yeah, I was gonna say Aqu Aquafina, Ana de Armas, as well, you know, they have the luxury that the Oscars don't have of being able to nominate 10 people, uh, essentially in each cat in each of the best actor and actress categories. And so it helps their ability to be a little bit more diverse in their selections. That being said, for as num the number of, of options that they have you know, the spots to fill, you know, particularly when it comes to African American actors and actresses, uh, again, it feels like there's some gaping holes. Uh, with people getting nominated. I mean, I haven't seen the two popes again. I didn't see Jonathan Price, uh, Jonathan Price's performance in that movie. But to leave out someone like Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, or Sterling K. Brown, even from Waves, you know, there there's some, I think, very obvious movies. Daniel Kaluuya in Queen, Queen and Slim. Uh, Octavia Spencer for Loose is one or, that yeah, stands out for me. Yeah, exactly. And then um, uh, is, oh, I'm completely blanking on the other star of Queen and Slim right now. Jody Turner-Smith. Jody Turner-Smith. I was going to say some variation of that that wasn't quite right. Um, yeah, I think th those are all, you know, fantastic performances and equal again. Right. Even Michael B. Jordan in Just Mercy, which we haven't seen yet. Jamie, and Jamie Foxx even. Jamie Foxx has been getting more buzz than Michael B. Jordan has for Just Mercy, but he got Which would be out. a supporting actor yes, category. But still, he didn't get nominated. Well, yeah, I was going to say in the supporting actor category, I mean, that is completely white. Tom Hanks. Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt, you know, on the, on the supporting actress side, you, again, you do have JLo, but Kathy Bates, Annette Bening, Laura Dern, Margaret Robbie, again, like people Annette who are Benning mostly, mostly deserving. I know that you, you know, you feel differently about Annette Bening. I can kind of see it, but with the wealth of talent out there, you know, someone like, you know, Taylor Russell would have been a great inclusion, I think for best supporting actress, um, give it, given the, that Annette Bening, if, you, if that's the direction you were going to go, there's, there's other options that you could have done that, you know, whether or not they're, you know, head and shoulders above Annette, Annette Benning's performance in the report, you know, equally good for sure in ways. Yeah, again, Octavia Spencer is the one that stands out. To yeah, me there, I keep forgetting Octavia Spencer. Yeah, but no, it, it is. I think the thing that is most concerning, because you're right, like looking across the board, it's not that glaring. They they did, you know, get get some pretty diverse nominees in there. But the thing that strikes me heading forward is that a lot of these people aren't going to be in the running at the Oscars. And no. so I foresee this conversation being amped up and even worse um, 
when the Academy releases their nominations, because the two black nominees that you that you noted, right, Eddie Murphy and Cynthia Erivo, I don't think Cynthia Erivo has a shot at all. I think Ed, Eddie Murphy has a very slim shot at an Oscar nomination. And those are the only African-American nominees. Um, elsewhere, like, I don't, I think Aquafina might be on the outside looking in for Best Actress. Ana de Armas, obviously not going to be in the hunt. Um, and I think, I mean, J-Lo obviously will be nominated. Um, and Antonio Banderas has a, has a very good shot, I think, for a nomination. But where do you go beyond there? Like, it, it's, I, I like I said, I foresee this conversation being amped up a lot more in a month's time when the Academy Award com nomination comes out. And and you're right. Like, there are so many options to choose from. Um, you, you've hit on, you hit on the one for me, Kelvin Harrison Jr., I think. It not not just one but two performances this year in Waves and in Loose. Um, you could nominate him in Best Supporting Actor or Best Actor. Honestly, take your pick. Uh, these are both Oscar-worthy performances. The guy is an absolute star on the rise. He's going to be a huge name in just a few years, I think. Um, but yeah, no, he he's he doesn't have a shot that I see right now. Taylor Russell, like you said, excellent in Waves. Octavia Spencer, I keep bringing her up, but I think Luce is one of the best ensemble casts of this year. Um, not a diverse person, but Naomi Watts, I think, also belonged in the conversation for that. I think she, I thought she was excellent as well for that movie. So yes, it is it is a shame not not necessarily looking at the Globes nominees as a whole, but looking ahead to the Oscars and knowing that um, we may end up with three or four non-white actors across all of the acting categories nominated. And, you know, it's a consistent problem that um, I'm not sure what the solution is, honestly. Yeah. I mean, also just to throw my again, again, just cause I know you haven't seen Queen and Slam, like, you know, Daniel Kaluuya would have been, you know, a very good person to be nominated in the best actor category, you know, again, going as an option alongside Calvin Harrison Jr. Uh, things like that. And it's disappointing. It's disappointing. And, you know, I will, you know, raise my hand and say, is it entirely the Golden Globes fault? Is it entirely the Oscars fault? Because this was a year where there weren't that many out there opportunities for African-American actors and actresses in Hollywood to really sink their teeth into roles and have a chance at getting an Oscar nomination. And so part of it definitely because we just listed a whole bunch of options that they did have. Part of it is on the awards shows, but part of it is also on Hollywood. Uh, you know, maybe last year was a better year uh, for diversity and acting, but even then it didn't translate necessarily to nominations then. So uh, clearly there's, there's two fronts to be fighting this battle on and uh, we're just going to have to have to do it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we can, we can talk some more about individual movies. I mean, there are some films obviously that are getting nominated like 1917 uh, and, and the like that we have not seen yet. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. Obviously 1917 getting a lot of nominations on uh, for, uh, the more technical respect, uh, technical aspects, and I expect to see them even more at the Oscars when there are more technical categories. It got two nominations, uh, three nominations, sorry. Uh, one, of course, for for Best Director and Sam Mendes uh, and his role there uh, behind the camera, as well as Best Original Score uh, for, I believe it's Thomas Newman who who's doing that. And then I'm not sure about, oh, oh obviously, and then Best Motion Picture Drama. Uh, so yeah. obviously we expect to see Roger Deakins featuring uh, heavily, if not the favorite for the cinematography Oscar. Uh, it has some other probably probably has some other some other chances in editing as well, given the fact that this movie is I don't know how many real cuts there are in the film, but it's obviously edited together to look like one continuous shot. Right. Again, I don't know how how many takes there are in the actual film, because uh, obviously there's just some some uh, master work done behind, you know, in the editing room there. But that's a movie that we expect to see um, more of at the Oscars and, you know, still really looking forward to finally seeing that when it does come out in theaters, getting a limited release on Christmas. I don't know if I'll be able to see it before it's wider release on January 10th, though. Scott, any other movies you think we're missing? And we can also talk about movies that we're not seeing here. If there, if you believe there are any hardcore snubs, I mean, you talked about Octavia Spencer getting left out in the cold and some of the other uh, African-American actors and actresses that got left out in the cold. But any other snubs that you see here? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, this always comes down to what your definition of a snub is. I mean, there's some things that I am very disappointed about. Like, for example, we talked about Rocketman briefly getting nominated for the musical in the musical or comedy category as maybe sort of the token musical this year. I think Wild Rose would have been an infinitely better choice there. And, you know, likewise, Jesse Buckley getting a nomination for um, Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, um, I think, the fact that this movie has been ignored is is a travesty. And of course, the most glaring being not getting nominated for best original song for Glasgow, which is like 
it, it is not even close to the best song of this year. It is better than Shallow was last year. I mean, it, it's not even close for me. Um, and, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be nominated for um, the Oscar. Instead, they're going for these ridiculously bland and boring safe choices like the Beyonce song from The Lion King, which, like, is just absolutely laughable. But, you know, if Beyonce, you know, I won't, I won't go any further than that, but uh, <laughs> I don't think the people are here for the Beyonce slander, but uh, the, the fact that the song is nominated is a joke. And so that's something that, uh, that does bother me a little bit. Um, did little women get a nomination for in the, for a best film category? I don't believe it did. Right. Best like best motion picture. Yeah. It did not know. Okay. You know, obviously I don't want to say too much having not seen the film yet, but um, I could see that being a snub, at least in my book, because I think it is a words fair. And from what I'm seeing, Greta Gerwig puts an interesting spin on the story that has been told a lot of times, but she, she's able to bring something new to it. So I can see that being a stub, snub. And again, a lot of the other snubs are stuff for me that like never really had a legitimate shot, like Midsommar, Dark Waters getting, not getting a nomination um, in any sort of nominations. Obviously very disappointing to me as I love those movies, but not something that I really expected. So I guess the main one for me is Wild Rose. Um, I, you know, this this movie should have been man, which wasn't really that much better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. All right. I mean, I, I don't I think I feel more or less the same. I think obviously it was nice to see that Beanie Feldstein got a best actress um, musical or comedy for, of course, her role as Molly Davidson in Booksmart. Very, I was actually quite surprised by that, um, but pleasantly so because Booksmart getting the nomination was music, music to my soul. Love that movie. But Olivia Wilde. Yeah, another, another movie like that only got only got one nomination. I think is Ford versus Ferrari, and that kind of goes to one of my big predictions for the. I think that this movie is not going to be nominated for Best Picture, despite the fact that this has all the trappings of a movie that would be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscar. I just, I don't know. It, I mean, it did well at the box office, but I'm just not sure that their campaign is really striking a chord with a lot of people right now. I think that the field for Best Picture is tough right right now. And like, like I said, there are uh, three or four movies that I think are locks. There are a couple movies that I think are Prob, you know, most likely will be in there. Movies like uh, 1917 and Jojo Rabbit, I think, are definitely going to get in there. Um, and then this movie, I think, is even in a tier below that. So I think it will depend on how many movies they ultimately nominate for Best Picture. But I wouldn't They've be been surprised. Nine the last two years, right? Eight or nine yeah. in the last two years. I wouldn't be surprised if um, this movie gets shut out at the Oscars, except for maybe an acting nomination. Again, it's going to be difficult for an acting nomination, I think, because as we've talked about before, Matt Damon and Christian Bale are both campaigning as lead actors. So you could see them stealing votes from each other, even though, of course, Christian Bale did get the nomination here. And I think is probably the better performance. I don't know. I just don't know if the Oscars are going to, are going to go that way as well. Yeah. I mean, you know how I feel that Christian Bale is the better performer in the film. I think he had a lot more to do and a lot, uh, a lot more emotion to show, uh, and and did it better, but I I don't I'm not on board with that. I think that Ford v Ferrari will get a Best Actor or sorry Best Picture nomination. I think it might be one of the few nominations that it does get uh, is the thing. And, and honestly, not dissimilar to Jojo Rabbit, although it has it definitely is going to get a nomination for uh, screenplay. Probably I I mean mm -hmm. I, I can't see a world in which it doesn't get a nomination for screen, for screenplay for Taika. I can even see it getting a Best Director nomination potentially. <sighs> That's a tough race, man. I don't know about that, but. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. It, it could be one of those things where uh, it's a tough race, but I mean, Todd Phillips might not be in there for the Oscars. So I am. You got to put I, somebody else in there. For, no, for sure. I, I don't. I hope Todd Phillips isn't in there for the Oscar. I mean, that would just be so disappointing if it is. But I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe who knows? Mm -hmm. But for me, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe Taika gets in there for best director. Uh, maybe not. But it could. I mean, Jojo Rabbit is one of those, however, that it could be, you know, an Argo situation where. Taika doesn't get a nomination for Best Director, but the film wins Best Picture still. So, I mean, we've seen that happen before, of course, with Ben Affleck getting snubbed in the Best Director category, but then Argo winning the Best Picture uh, back in 2012, I believe. And I think that that is, is, for, is possible. I don't think JoJo is the right pick for Best Picture this year, but it certainly is a better option than Green Book last year. 
And, and another snub that I was just thinking of, going back to Little Women for a second, Florence Pugh did not get nominated. Um, and I think that is a shock because I think a lot of people feel like she's one of the top three horses in the race for Best Supporting Actress up there with Laura Dern and uh, Jennifer Lopez, of course. And she was not nominated at all, not nominated at all. However, her co-star Saoirse Ronan was uh, in what I think was probably the only nomination that Little Women got. Um, so a little bit of a surprise there, I guess. Yeah, I, I yeah, I I agree. I think I mean one of the surprises too to go along and just to stay in that best supporting actress category, which I mean honestly we could see you know three of the five could be totally different in the Oscar race for sure, and that's because like Kathy Bates getting a nomination for. Um, well, she know. won at one of the you know preliminary awards things that we had been talking about on some yeah, like National Scott's. Board of Review or yeah. the New York Film Critics Circle or whatever. She did win that role, which was really surprising to me. I mean, we're seeing Richard Jewell this weekend. It's what our episode's going to be about uh, next week. And so I'll, I'll reserve judgment until then. But I didn't realize that the hype around her was so good. And one of the things, again, I meant, I meant to mention this earlier, but one of the I don't know if it's a snub, but uh, again, a kind of a disappointing thing and a little bit surprising. We'll see if it changes uh, as other award shows pop up here. But Xiao Zhu Jin not getting yeah. nominated for mm -hmm. The Farewell. Uh, of course, she plays the grandmother in The Farewell. That was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, no, I think she's in the conversation for sure. And, and right, there's another opportunity for diversity that the Oscars is going to have to, you know, go in a new direction and pick someone who wasn't nominated at the Golden Gloves. The SAG Awards will come out tomorrow. Um, the nominations are coming out in the morning tomorrow. So I'll be interested to see too, whether um, she can get in there for, for that, because that may spell uh, a better chance for her Oscar potential. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but those screen actor guild lead us though. She, I mean, she probably doesn't even have her screen actors guild card. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. All right. She's never done a movie before. Right. So yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think that Lulu Wang kind of plucked her out there, but anyway, yeah, I think, there's obviously a lot to be said. Not everyone can get nominated too at the same time. Maybe we're being a little bit harsh because not not everyone can be nominated. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, obviously we we've pointed out some some people who we feel that weren't very deserving that I'm sure who feel they were very deserving. Uh, Todd Phillips is very self important. If you saw Joker, you could understand what uh, you know how he feels that way because that's that entire movie. But anyway, moving on. TV shows, Scott. You know, I want to touch briefly on we've. You know, we've been going here for about, you know, a little bit over half an hour now and want to touch on for five or ten minutes about the TV categories. We don't have to go through category by category, but I do want to talk about things, you know, a couple things that I was really excited about from a TV perspective. And then we can talk about things that were, you know, a little surprising. Talk about the big snubs, because if we're talking about true snubs, TV, the TV side of things is where the true snubs. Happen. Yeah, uh, we'll start with the positive first, though, and that is that my favorite piece of media in 2019 so far was uh, one of the top nomination receivers uh, at the Golden Globes. And that is unbelievable, Scott. Uh, you know, most of these nominations are in the, you know, in no, the, I know it was unbelievable, but what was the show? Sorry. Yeah. Un unbelievable. <laughs> who's who's on first? Um, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. So it, it is nominated for best uh, limited series or, or sorry, mini series. Uh, best you know, best miniseries there, as well as getting three acting nominations, uh, two in the best actress in a miniseries category for Caitlin Deaver, who plays Marie Adler, and Merritt Weaver, who plays one of the detectives, Karen Duvall, and then best supporting actress for Tony Collette, the other detective in the show. Scott, like I said, this is my favorite piece of media in 2019, and I was so thrilled to see Unbelievable get four nominations. Yeah, Scott, I haven't made my way all the way through Unbelievable yet, but I really have liked what, you know, like again is a tough word to use. Appreciate it. I, I've appreciated and admired what I have watched so far. It is a tough watch for me, and yeah. I tend to gravitate towards things. Because I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, I tend to gravitate towards things like like my favorite show, which we'll talk about, which did get in there, is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I think is just like the most upbeat. Like I was watching it today and just thinking, you know, there's conflict in this show, but it really doesn't feel like there's that much conflict. Like it just, you know, puts a smile on my face, uh, brings me a lot of joy. And that's the ty type of thing that I tend to gravitate gravitate towards when I watch TV. And so that's why I, it's taken me a little bit longer to get through Unbelievable, but I do hope to finish it. And I am happy to see it get nominated uh, because it does, it is telling a very, very important and relevant story. Yeah. So that's a that that's a Netflix shop. Uh, also, you know, one of the other top nomination receivers is The Crown. Olivia Coleman taking the place of Claire Foy as I is it, I don't even remember which queen the actual show is based. Queen Elizabeth is that what it is? Elizabeth uh, II. Yeah, the current queen. 
yeah, Queen Elizabeth II. She's she's playing an older version. Season three fast forwards a little bit in time, uh, but it's also, of course, nominated for uh, best TV show uh, drama, I believe it is. And then it, there's a couple other nominations in there because it also has four nominations and HBO's Chernobyl, which I haven't got around to seeing yet, but I do hope to watch along with several other things. Some of the other big nomination receivers are Barry, which is you know a show that I discovered earlier this year and absolutely love. I think Bill Hader is phenomenal in that show. Big Little Lies second season gets three nominations. Fleabag's final season gets three nominations. Uh, Succession, which is an HBO show. Foss Verdon, which was kind of the big spoiler Fosse, at the yeah. Fosse Verdon, uh, which was kind of the big spoiler at the Emmys for some of the people who maybe had, had higher hopes for Emmy awards. Uh, it spoiled the show a little bit there, uh, particularly I believe it's Michelle Williams is spoiling the show for like Amy Adams, who was nominated for Sharp Objects, which isn't nom- which isn't eligible because it, it was nominated last year at the Golden Globes, but was eligible at the Emmys, um, Scott. But, I, you know, I just listened to a bunch of different shows that got a lot of nominations, but the snubs. I mean, I think that's like the other main talking point for the TV shows. And <laughs> it's honestly, it's kind of incredible. I mean, one, one of them, it would just was so immediately obvious. And I'm, I'm sometimes bad at recognizing snubs, but this one to me was so obvious and fits in line with one of the conversations that we were having yeah. uh, earlier about diversity at, at the Golden Globes. And that is when they see us at Netflix receiving zero nominations, completely shut out of all categories. Uh, obviously, it would be in the miniseries category. But to me, incredible that that did not get any nominations. The other snubs, uh, one of them, actually, I guess both of them over at HBO. And that is for Watchmen, which I didn't immediately recognize as a snub because I didn't think it was eligible because it's obviously just finished. I believe it just finished last weekend. I didn't realize it was eligible uh, for awards. No, there's one more episode this week. Yeah. Oh, there's one more. Episode. So, you know, it's season finale coming up, you know, this this Sunday night. Didn't realize it was eligible, but it got zero nominations, which is pretty incredible. I mean, I haven't seen the show yet. It's next on my watch list, but I've heard phenomenal things about it, particularly, yeah. you know, someone like Regina King, who's, I mean, won in the Academy Award last year for Best Supporting Actress, won at the Golden Globes last year, too, getting shut out. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. And then Euphoria, which maybe is a little bit less of a surprise to uh, for you, Scott, but I haven't seen it, but um, it was, and, was a snub. And another show that has a lot of diversity in it. You have yep. an African-American leading actress. You have yep. the second lead being a transgender actress. Like, again, everything, a lot of stuff getting ignored. But, yeah, yep. I, these happen to be all things that I have watched, amazingly or not. <laughs> um, amazingly enough. Um, when They See Us, I thought was was a fantastic and powerful miniseries. Definitely think. And, and you know, looking at the, the miniseries field, it's a really strong field, right? Like, a lot it of is. people have been talking about a lot of these shows. And remind me, read them all down again. I know Chernobyl, Unbelievable are in there. Um, what are the other nominees that are in there? was one that stuck out to me as being, well, I think it should have gotten in there over that. Yeah, so the the nominations Fosse for the Verdon. best miniseries or television film are Catch-22, Chernobyl, Fosse Verdon, The Loudest Voice, and Unbelievable. Yeah, so Catch-22 is the one which surprised me because I haven't really heard anyone talking about this. I wanted to watch it, but it just haven't gotten around to it yet because I do love the book. But the other four series there that you named off, I've you know people say that these all of these shows are incredible, um, and um, so Catch Twenty Two is the one that I'm surprised to see get in there over when they see us. I definitely think when they see us probably deserve. I mean, I haven't seen Catch Twenty Two, so I don't want to say. But again, the diversity conversation. No one was talking about it. I mean, yes, like, no, no one, one was talking about it, and everyone at the time when when they see us came out and was still now. About it. At the, yeah, around yeah. the Emmys, like it was nominated and won a bunch of Emmys. And you have Ava DuVernay, who it's, you know, one of the most talked about black filmmakers working right now, you know, as the person behind this. Um, so that's another huge factor. Euphoria. And the political climate of being about the Central Park, you know, being a dramatization of the Central Park yeah. Five and the fact that Donald Trump, who still to this day insists that the Central Park Five should have been executed and should still be in prison. Who is our president like that? That's still politically. And they worked that into too. the show very, very effectively. Um yeah, Euphoria now, it, like, it's one of my favorite things that I've watched this year. However, I don't think that I really realistically thought that this show was going to get a nomination because mm-hmm. it's about teenagers and the, you know, this OK Boomer, you know, moments um, here. Like, oh, the, boomer. the, the boomers who, who vote on these things aren't going to pay attention to this show, even though it was one of the most talked about shows of uh of 2019, even yeah. though the boomer critics who were forced to watch it were actually like, hey, this is pretty good. This is actually really well done. Um, you know, it, despite all of these factors, when when it comes down to it, it, I don't think it really ever had a shot, even in the acting categories for somebody like Zendaya. Um, I, I just don't think it was ever going to happen. Um, 
And then the other one you mentioned, Watchmen. I'm very surprised by this um, because I am loving Watchmen. I am two episodes behind right now, uh, but I, I mean, I think Damon Lindelof is as good as it gets into television. And it's, it's, it's probably funny now that, that I, you know, I, I mentioned that when I like to watch TV, I watch things that are happy and upbeat, and then I talk I was about say that actually Euphoria yeah. and when they see us and, and Watchmen. Yeah. But how many penises uh, are in Euphoria? Let's not go there, but um, <laughs> but uh, Watchmen is is incredible. It's very dark. Uh, it's incredible. But I mean, another thing too. You you talk about Regina King being a black act- actress and being the star of the show. The show is very like is race is a huge factor in the show and like explores the Tulsa race riots and massacre that happened. Um, there's an entire episode where um, where Regina King's character basically goes back in time and, and relives the experience no that spoilers. her grandfather no i mean this is not really spoiled this is yeah. literally the description of the episode that her grandfather had um and, and you know the the racial violence and stuff that he had to face um mm-hmm. back you know 50 years ago um and so that is a huge element of the show and so you have to wonder again is that why it's being ignored who knows but this is a, this is a fantastic show um and Damon Lindelof is one of the best out there. With that being said, his last show, The Leftovers, was one of the best shows of all time, in my opinion. Never really got much awards consideration for anything. So I just wonder if there's something about his style. Obviously, Lost was a different story, but that's been a long time ago now. And maybe there's something about you know the style, the way, like particularly the social commentary and critique that is in a lot of his work. Maybe something about that is not striking a chord with voters. But ultimately, none of this stuff matters, right? Because everyone is obsessed with Watchmen right now. It's like either the number one or number two most watched cable show of the year. Um, And so those are the things I think which are ultimately going to matter, not, you know, the recognition from this shadowy Hollywood foreign press. Um, Yeah, which we didn't talk about this up front. Maybe we should have. But the Hollywood foreign press, it's a reminder. It's 90 people who are voting on these things. It's 90 people. I mean, the Oscars are voted on by over 7,000 people. Yeah. So that puts it a little bit in perspective that, you know, yes, people do use this as a metric to what's going to happen at the Oscars. I mean, Green Book won at the Globes and it won at the Oscars. It happens sometimes. But, you know, it really is a very, very small subset of, of the people who are voting on the Oscars. Uh, obviously, TV for TV stuff, it doesn't matter for the Oscars because there's no TV stuff there. But, uh, the it applies to kind of the entire conversation that we've been having here. And for me, I mean, the last thing that I'll say before we wrap up is that, you know, the final thing we don't watch, neither of us somehow watch, you know, we have this podcast, but don't watch the show. Game of Thrones kind of got left out in the cold, only got one nomination, uh, I believe for, is it, I think it was for Kit Harrington. It was, and, yeah. Yeah. And the kind of key takeaway from the TV category, besides the stuff that we've already talked about in something that we didn't mention is that, uh, you talked about Damon Lindelof and all the awards discussed that Lost did have, at least all the nominations. I don't remember how many awards it won over its run, but you know the nominations that it received this year, first year, no broadcast television nominations whatsoever. Period. End of sentence. So if Lost was on that, you know, on broadcast television, <laughs> if Lost was on broadcast television today, would it even be getting noticed? Would it even get nominated? The full shift. Uh, towards your you know premium cable networks or streaming services has happened laugh tracks are finally out baby well that's a totally different conversation to have (laughs) maybe uh laugh tracks and how it manipulates big bang theory season 18 has been ignored yeah it's final season Uh, it it did have its final season this year right yeah i know right who knows i just assumed that that show is just going to go on in perpetuity even (laughs) though i don't know anyone who actually watches it like and talking of this too, Young Sheldon. How is this still a show that comes on? Who watches Young Sheldon? Yeah, I mean, Scott. The one who of the things that, that show, I, who is the audience for that show? Well, one of the things that I constantly wonder, which is, and I know that I'm that this is this will this will show my perspective on television. Maybe it's one that's shared by the Hollywood Foreign Press. I don't know, but like, I don't know who like who are the people who continue to watch, like who drive Netflix to spend a hundred million dollars on Friends. For a year, like who who rewatches oh. Friends? Who rewatches okay. The Office? Who no, that's, a, that's a different story. Literally everyone. How I, know I Met Your Mother, but I know, but like, I don't understand why people do that. There's so much new good television every year. I'm, I gotta get off the soapbox, uh, but I just I don't understand people who yeah, only rewatch. If you the same watch, show. if you watch Young Sheldon or God Friended Me, just please just contact me. I just want to know why. I just want to talk. Okay. <laughs> well, how do you have? Do, I mean, do you count Better Call Saul in that as a spinoff from Breaking Bad or? 
No, I mean that's AMC. That I don't I can I don't really consider that like that's like really a net that's not really a network show. No, it's not it's not. You're right, it's not. But it's a spin-off that I was just like, why is this why does this exist? Um whatever. All right, time to get out of here before I get bad comments from all the people who watch Friends, How I Met Your Mother in the Office uh on repeat. All the young Sheldon head. Yeah, exactly. Uh well Scott, that that should do it for our little special episode of Golden Globe nominations. Where can people find you on Twitter? Follow me on Letterboxd at Scarbyman. Oh, cool. Even better. You're right. Maybe you should forget Twitter. No one cares about Twitter. Letterbox is where it's at. Um, and that can be found at, Ash, at Shelton2013 on Twitter and on Letterbox as well, for that matter. Uh, and you can also find our podcast uh, on Twitter, not on, not on Letterbox. You can't find our podcast on Letterbox yet. Uh, but we'd love it if you followed us over on Twitter at, at MediaPlugPods. And we'd love it even more if you checked out our podcast Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash MediaPlugPods, where there are a bunch of different reward tiers, depending on how much you're willing or able to pledge the podcast that would help us out contributing at the even at the one dollar level would help us out and uh you know make this a sustainable financial endeavor we don't spend a lot of money on on the podcast to be fair but we do have to pay an annual hosting fee so help us out with that speak Again, for yourself yeah sorry i pay an annual hosting fee <laughs> that's www. i pay for every movie that i see yeah that's true www.patreon.com slash media pods check it out for yourself uh, if you choose not to support us over on Patreon, however, that's really fine. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, where we'd appreciate you rate and review us, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Scott, we have so much content programming coming out right now to, to plug. Uh, we actually, just before this live recording, recorded our final part of our Star Wars countdown, talking about The Last Jedi. That's going to be coming out this Sunday if you're listening to this live. Uh, probably I'll post this before this Sunday, too. So uh, you can you can listen to that this Sunday. Uh, coming out, our most recent episode of the podcast is is about Marriage Story, which you mentioned is one of the Oscar uh, major Oscar contenders in so many different categories, especially Best Picture. And then next week we'll be talking about Richard Jewell, uh, and after that, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. So lots of stuff coming, and we have our end of the year discussions coming up soon, which is just the the best time to be listening to our podcast when we uh, do do that Best of 2019 episode, which will be coming up uh, at the turn of the year, of course. But I think that should do it uh, for, for this special episode. Uh, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. Thank you for listening.